And greetings, friends. Welcome to Tomorrow's World program where we give you powerful insights into today's news and the prophecies of tomorrow's world. My friends, there is a very real Satan the devil. He is now busily attacking the Bible more than ever before. But the divine inspiration of the Bible, this book, can be proved. This book gives you the real answers as to why we were born, where we are going, what lies just ahead. But you need to know the facts. Stay tuned. My friends, there are four key proofs that this book, the Holy Bible, was inspired by the great God. No other book or series of writings even comes close. So open your mind and be willing to prove to yourself that the great God did, in fact, give us human beings an inspired revelation as to why we're here, where we're going, how to get there, and to the major events of human history as foretold in the prophecies of your Bible. The first key to show God's inspiration of the Bible is his explanation of the creation and purpose for mankind. Again, only the Bible tells us in detail how and why we are here and where we are going. Notice Romans chapter 1. Turn with me. Go get your Bible. Check up on me in your Bible and on these other outside points and bits of information I'll be giving you. Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse 20. Here's what the Bible itself says. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, the attributes of God, obviously, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse because although they knew that God, they did not glorify him as God, these ancient philosophers and thinkers, nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. These ancient thinkers, philosophers, these great men that people often look to so much today, God says became fools. Think honestly. And in humility, my friends, how can you behold this magnificent creation all around us, looking up at the sun, the moon, the stars, the vast mountains and oceans, and then deny that there is a creator? Think of the intricate overlapping laws and life systems that depend upon each other for our very existence. Most of you realize, and most scientists admit, that, for instance, butterflies and flowers had to come into existence at the same time because they're dependent on each other. In fact, mankind is dependent on an entire ecosystem for its survival. Think about planet Earth as seen from space. Yet all the ecosystems necessary for our survival are in perfect balance right here. No other planet can sustain human life. They keep looking and looking, but they can't find one. <laughs> if the Earth were just one or two percent closer to the sun, we would all burn up. If the earth were just one or two percent further away from the sun, we would all freeze to death. 
an all-powerful creator made this system possible. Next, my friends, think about the human mind. Notice how we were created as revealed in the book of Genesis. Turn with me now back to the very beginning of your Bible because this is often misunderstood and religionists actually pervert this and confuse people about this. Turn to Genesis chapter 1, the very beginning of the inspired Word of God. Verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, there are creationists, as they sometimes call themselves, who say, well, this was 6,000 years ago. But you don't find that here. God doesn't say 6,000 years ago he created the heavens and the earth. He said in the beginning. That might have been billions of years ago, as the scientists say. We don't know that. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God began to recreate the earth, put mankind upon the earth, frankly, after a number of things happened. Verse 26, then God said, let us, the one who became the word, Jesus Christ was speaking here along with the Father, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion. So from the very beginning, we were made in God's image. We were made like God in a number of ways. Think of man's awesome creative capacity. We can create all kinds of things, yet the human brain is not much larger or more complex than animal brains, and scientists have proved that and are puzzled by it. But we are the ones who invent intricately complex computers, and they can process trillions of bits of information per minute. It's just awesome. Who made your mind? We are the ones who put the powerful vehicles into outer space and even hope to conquer the universe. We have that kind of mind. The second key, my friends, key number two to prove the biblical inspiration is fulfilled prophecy. Fulfilled prophecy. To the carnal mind, this is the greatest proof of all because the carnal mind doesn't like to believe somehow in creation. It jumps the track because of all these evolutionary theories and the carnal mind doesn't like other things I'll mention later. But they can understand when major events are guided by an outside force. Picture the great cities of New York and London. Many of you have been to one or both of these cities as I have. They are so large and have existed so long that they seem almost beyond destruction. Both of these great cities are commercial and shipping centers, and they've existed for hundreds of years. Yet about 2,600 years ago, a city similar in many ways had stood impregnable for generations. It was the ancient city of Tyre, sometimes called the New York of the ancient world. Notice what the eternal God inspired his servant Ezekiel to write about 585 B.C. Turn with me to the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 26 in your Bible. And Jesus said we're to live by every word of God, and the only written word of God was the Old Testament. This is part of what Jesus was referring to. The prophecies of your Bible, Ezekiel 26, verse 1, it came to pass in the 11th year, in the first day of the month, that the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, because Tyre has said against Jerusalem, speaking against God's city that he was using at that time, Aha, she is broken, who was the gateway of the peoples. Now she is turned over to me. I shall be filled. She is laid waste. 
Therefore, thus says the eternal God, Behold, I am against you, O Tyre, and will cause many nations to come up against you. Notice this, not one nation, not something all at once, many nations. This requires a big divine intervention when you understand it. Many nations, as the sea causes its waves to come up. Wave after wave of nation coming against the city, the creator says, and they shall destroy the walls of Tyre and break down her towers. I will also scrape her dust from her and make her like the top of a rock. It shall be a place for spreading of nets in the midst of the sea, for I have spoken, says the eternal. Yes, God prophesied this in detail. Over in verse 14, he says, I will make you like the top of a rock, and you shall be a place for spreading nets, and you shall never be rebuilt, for the eternal has spoken, says the eternal God. Most of this prophecy was filled about 250 years after the prophet Ezekiel died, so only the great God who inspired the Bible could have brought this about. And Satan and all the powers of hell cannot change the fact that the almighty God of creation supernaturally inspired this book and inspired this prophecy about Tyre and about many other great cities and then brought those prophecies to pass sometimes hundreds of years later for this prophecy about the city of Tyre and dozens of similar prophecies have come to pass. God's word stands. (laughs) My friends, what are the other two proofs of the Bible and why is Satan attacking the Bible so much right now and what with, with such ferocity? Think about it. The answer in a few minutes. But now I invite you to call us or write us for a copy of a most inspiring booklet. This new booklet is entitled The Bible, Fact or Fiction. It will be sent absolutely free upon your request. This inspiring booklet really spells out in more detail than I can on this brief program. It spells out for you how God guides the rise and fall of nations and what lies just ahead on the world scene. The Bible, fact or fiction, will help world events really come alive to you and give you many other proofs about the Bible. So call now. This informative booklet is yours absolutely free. No cost, no obligation. If you call this toll-free number, one 800 718 4800. That number once again is 1-800-718-4800. Call now or send your request to Tomorrow's World, P.O. Box 3800, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28227. With this offer, you will also receive your free subscription to Tomorrow's World magazine full of timely articles and unique insights on today's important issues. Tomorrow's World Magazine keeps you up to date with world trends, Bible prophecy, and the very meaning of life itself. Tomorrow's World. Call now. Now back to our topic, my friends, Satan's attack on the Bible. The third proof of biblical inspiration is God's promises. There are many promises which our Creator gives in His inspired Word. Time does not permit us to cover them all, but one key promise has brought tremendous blessings to untold thousands of people who were willing to believe the Bible. 
It is the promise of divine healing. Notice what your Bible actually says. Turn with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 8. Get your Bible, Matthew chapter 8, verse 5. Here it describes how Jesus entered Capernaum, and a centurion came pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said, I'll come and heal him. And the centurion answers, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. What an attitude of faith. Just speak the word and my servant will be healed for I'm a man under authority. He says, I understand. I'm a captain. I tell a soldier, do this and he does it. Another soldier, do this and he does it. And when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. And I say to you that many will come from the east and the west, in other words, people outside of Israel, and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. The sons of the kingdom, that is those Jews there who would not believe, will be cast into outer darkness, and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then he said to the centurion, Go your way, and as you have believed, notice that, my friends, as you have believed, Jesus often said, According to your faith, be it unto you. As you have believed, so let it be done. And his servant's servant was healed that same hour. Now when Jesus had come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother. As Peter, supposedly the first pope, which he really wasn't, of course, but he had a mother-in-law, so he was a married man. Get that. Peter was married. His mother-in-law was lying sick with a fever, and he touched her hand, and the fever left her. Then she arose and served them. And when evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word, in other words, with a command, and healed all. Jesus healed all who were sick. Notice verse 17, that it might be fulfilled, which is spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. And when you read about Jesus' beating, you understand, should understand, that was to pay the penalty of our physical sins, our mistakes, the wrong way of life we've lived that often brings on all kinds of disease and sickness. Now, my friends, picture the untold thousands of sick people in hospitals and clinics all over the earth. Think of the millions who will soon absolutely need and cry out for God's healing as the prophesied biblical plagues begin to strike. These things will force people to look once again to God for healing. The early Christians did do that. Notice what God inspired James to write. Is anyone among you sick? Is anyone sick? Here's what God says to do. Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. But above and beyond what man can do, the great God can and does intervene and heal. And he heals all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease, my friends. And I've seen that again and again over 54 years in the ministry. I've seen it again and again and again. I remember being on a tour, a visiting tour in Kansas, and found this woman who had a withered arm. 
Her arm had been withered from childhood, just hanging about one-third or fourth the normal size from childhood. And after we had counseled her about another matter and talked to her and, in fact, baptized her, then at that point, before we left, she said, I'd like to show you something. She said this arm was never normal, and she had her friend here from another church who wasn't ready to join our church but was nevertheless very impressed by what had happened. She said this arm was just hanging like a rope, and now it's healed because of the prayers of God's servant, Mr. Armstrong, she said, who was my Bible teacher. This arm grew right out, and that was inspiring. In fact, she said, you'll notice that God let me develop the the muscles in this arm, and it was summertime, and she had short sleeves, and she said the other arm is still a little bigger, but now that I milk the cows with both arms, the muscles in this arm are getting to be the same size, and each month the arms look more like each other. And her friend nodded. I asked, have you known her since childhood? Have you seen this? She said, yes. These things have happened, my friends. When I was teaching a freshman Bible class one time, a young married student was late to class and came at the end, and I said, what's wrong? He said, my little daughter's at home, and she has spinal meningitis, and he'd been to the doctors in the clinic, and they diagnosed it as the fatal variety, which I'd already read in the paper was going around Los Angeles at the time. The fatal variety, apparently certain death. And he asked me to pray for his little daughter. And I went out to his home with him, canceled a couple of appointments, went out there, and I prayed very fervently because I too had a little daughter. I beseech God to keep his promise to heal. And after I prayed for the little girl, she went to sleep and we talked for a while and I went off. And later they called me and said she slept for several hours. And when she woke up again, she was totally well, no fevers, none of these things where she was just shaking and contracting. It all was gone, and then she wanted something to eat. And a few days later, she was in church. God healed her, and the fever left immediately and never came back. During those years, we used to send anointed claws, we were called them, little uh, handkerchiefs or pieces of handkerchiefs like this, but cut smaller than a hanky, anointed with olive oil as a symbol of God's Spirit all over the world. And the response was tremendous. We found that hundreds of people were healed. Frankly, about one-third were healed right away. Others were healed in the weeks and months later. And another third were apparently never healed. Why? Many different reasons. But one reason is what Jesus said, according to your faith, be it unto you. My friends, this world lacks faith. These promises of God have sort of disappeared from professing Christianity but they're promises. We need to claim those promises and ask God to intervene and to bless us, to deliver us, to protect us, to heal us according to his word. You read in Hebrews 13, verse 8, Hebrews 13, verse 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He has not changed. He will still heal as he did back then if we can learn to believe. My friends, I hope you will learn to really study and believe the Bible. Then you will see dozens of biblical promises actually fulfilled in your life. Again, be sure to write or call now for your free copy of this inspiring new booklet. We have this new booklet for you, and I hope that you will really write in for it or call in for it. You will be glad you did. It's entitled, The Bible, Fact or Fiction. It will be sent absolutely free upon your request. 
This inspiring booklet really spells out how God guides the rise and fall of nations and what lies just ahead on the world scene. The Bible, fact or fiction, will help world events come alive and will give you many other proofs of the inspiration of the Bible. So call now. This informative booklet is yours absolutely free. No cost, no obligation. If you call this toll-free number, 1-800-718-4800. That number once again is 1-800-718-4800. Call now. Or send your request to Tomorrow's World, P.O. Box 3800, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28227. With this offer, you will also receive your free subscription to Tomorrow's World magazine, full of timely articles and unique insights on today's important issues. Tomorrow's World magazine keeps you up to date with world trends, Bible prophecy, and the very meaning of life itself. Tomorrow's World. Call now. Now back to our topic, my friends, Satan's attack on the Bible. Finally, let's see the fourth proof of biblical inspiration. That proof is that God alone, God's Word alone, the Bible alone, reveals a way of life that actually works. And there is no other book that gives this kind of instruction. Nowhere. Notice Matthew chapter 22. Matthew 22, verse 35 in your Bible. Turn there if you have your Bible. Then one of these Pharisees came, a lawyer, and asked him, testing him and saying, Teacher, what is the great commandment in the law? These Jewish leaders knew the Old Testament very well, and they were trying to trap Jesus. Jesus said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This, he said, is the first and great commandment. Never forget that, my friends. Often people say, well, I'm a Christian and I believe in God and I just believe in the golden rule, love your neighbor. That's good, but that's not enough because unless you believe in the real God of creation, the God of the Bible, and look to his authority, you will decide how to love your neighbors yourself. And the whole society begins to fall apart. That's another subject. But you've got to love God first. And let him be the authority in your life and love him with all of your being. And so the second commandment is like it. He says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Turn now to Luke 4. Here's another key thing that I referred to a minute ago. But this is absolutely vital when you understand the mind of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. So we're to live by every word of God. And in the Old Testament, God gives statutes that were based on the Ten Commandments and revealed a whole way of life that would have saved really millions and millions of lives down through time if all nations would heed that and realize that that is in fact part of the mind of God. Take circumcision, for instance. In Dr. S.I. McMillan's powerful book, None of These Diseases, he reveals how millions of lives would have been saved if people had just heeded God's instructions regarding cleanliness, washings, the proper disposal of human waste, circumcision, all kinds of things. 
and getting to circumcision, some modern physicians and other uh, scientists reject the idea of circumcising baby boys. But over 3,000 years ago, the eternal God of the Bible told Abraham to do this. Notice what God said back here in Genesis 17. Genesis 17 and beginning in verse 10. Here's what God said. This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male child among you shall be circumcised and you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised. And he said at the end here, it's an everlasting covenant. In Dr. McMillan's book, None of These Diseases, he describes how circumcision would have saved the lives of millions of women if their husbands had been circumcised. Millions of women have contracted uh, cancer, cervical cancer, because their husbands were not circumcised. And he describes the details about that. And now article after article is coming out in the papers and magazines showing how recently concluded medical studies have proved that circumcised men in Africa have been found to be far less likely to contract the horrible disease AIDS than the uncircumcised men. Again, millions of lives are potentially at risk because of the fact some obey these principles of God and see that the mind of God is in this book. That's what you need to come to understand. The mind of God is revealed in this book. However, please do not think that I am saying that Christians must be circumcised. No way. I am just stating that our Creator knew long before medical science that circumcision is a good health practice. But as a spiritual requirement, no. For the Apostle Paul was inspired to write in 1 Corinthians 7, verse 19, Circumcision is nothing, and uncircumcision is nothing, but keeping the commandments of God is what matters. Time does not permit me to go into detail about the dozens of biblical principles that really work. As the end of this age swiftly approaches, you need to study this book and prove that it is the manual for survival from your Creator and to live by it and to know the authority that this book carries. Again, my friends, I call on you to write or call us today for your free copy of this absolutely powerful booklet, this vital booklet, The Bible, Fact or Fiction, and tune in every week to Tomorrow's World program. On this program, you will gain precious information and insights available nowhere else. Richard Ames and I will give you understanding of current events and of the exciting prophecies of tomorrow's world. See you right here next week. This informative booklet is yours absolutely free. No cost, no obligation. If you call this toll-free number, 1-800-718-4800. That number once again is 1-800-718-4800. Call now. Or send your request to Tomorrow's World, P.O. Box 3800, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28227. To view today's program, order the free literature offered, or for more information on today's vital subject, visit us online at www.tomorrowsworld.org. 
preceding program is produced by the Living Church of God.